Hey there, listeners. Thanks for joining us while we talk about one of anthropology's leading feminists. Feminist anthropology may be new, born in the 1960s, but it is relevant today and needs to be understood. In honor to all the brave women who fought for their rights and for the rights of us now, we would like to introduce you to Sally Slocum. We have an agenda that will help give all information about Sally. This includes her life's history, her theories, people who have argued against her ideas, and how she has shaped anthropology as a discipline today. So to get started, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Sally's history and her background. She's had a very eventful 80 years, and she has lived all across the globe. She's been married and divorced multiple times, attended quite a few different universities, and worked as an exotic dancer in Hawaii all the way up to a professor at the University of Montana. Sally grew up in Iowa with her father, who was an artist. She was a very active child, and she participated in a lot of extracurricular activities and was seen by her peers as a tomboy. This is the classic case of nobody wanting to pick her for the games at school when they would all line up and choose people to be on their teams. After primary school, she attended the University of Iowa as a drama major. Sally never really stayed anywhere too long during her young adult life. She ended up dropping out of school and lived in San Francisco for about six months before attending the University of Hawaii and working as an exotic dancer, like I said, or a stripper. The irony that a feminist anthropologist was once a stripper does not need any explanation. What I should say though is that she said in an interview in 1977, stripping is just pretty ladies doing pretty things. After making enough to attend the university, she dropped out again and worked in Australia. She later got her PhD at the University of Montana after her first divorce, then divorced a second time and went off to work in Southeast Asia. Sally ended up living and working all over the world, but eventually she moved back to Iowa to spend time with her family after retirement. That's where she is now, and she said she wants to spend fam- spend the last years of her life with her family. Sally Slocum's introduction of her 1975 article, Woman the Gatherer, Male Bias and Anthropology, she sets the stage for an analysis. She asks, what is the nature of the human species? What constitutes reality, knowledge, proof? And what is the nature of the anthropological questions? The perspective of women is, in many ways, equally foreign to an anthropology that has been developed and pursued primarily by males. There is a strong male bias in the questions asked and the interpretations given. This bias has hindered the full development of our discipline as the study of the human animal. I am going, or Sally is going to demonstrate, the Western male bias by re-examining the matter of evolution of Homo sapiens from our non-human primate ancestors. In particular, the concept of man the hunter, as developed by Sherwood Washburn and C. Lancaster, and others. This critique is offered in hopes of transcending the male bias that limits our knowledge by limiting the questions we ask. Man the hunter back then was a very popular thesis on behaviors that modern humans inherited from aggressive hominid males. These behaviors and characteristics influenced the hunting culture males participated in when communicating and killing animals. Sally Slocum aimed to deconstruct the theory of man the hunter and reconstruct the theory of evolution with woman the gatherer at its side. Slocum had the goal of providing arguments for the female perspective, and she had a lot. Uh, she got a lot of backlash from this. With women being very much discriminated against in the anthropological world. Sally and a few other growing feminists wanted to make a stand. They wanted to show the world that women were powerful in their own right in theories of evolution and the evolution of culture, because without women, where would men be today? In a critique and improvement on the theory of man the hunter, Sally focuses a lot on mother-infant bond. 
What were the females doing when the males were out hunting? Woman the Gatherer is Slocum's theory of evolution that she draws from studies of primates, in particular her study of Vesuvius monkeys. It centers on the mother-infant bond and the mother providing for her offspring. The social relationship grows as dependence of the child increases evolutionarily. Males who hunt share meat with their mothers, sisters, and brothers who gather food to share with him. This type of family is Sally Slocum has had a tremendous influence on anthropological theory. The 1960s and 70s brought with it a new progressive and socialist agenda that in hindsight defined those decades. We think back to those times and images pop up in our heads. Peace symbols in the Vietnam War, civil rights protests, psychedelic music and postmodern art. A lot of these changes affected all areas of our culture. And feelings of disenfranchisement flooded into the discourse of the scientific community as well. Individuals like Sally Slocum were a product of this new age thinking. And she was among the first influencers in the first wave of modern feminism and anthropology. At the time, female anthropologists focused on culture and personality instead of over society like their male counterparts. And their theories were usually delegated to the areas of family, childhood, and adolescence, such as in the works of female anthropologists Margaret Mead and Ruth Benedict. These areas, although very important and relevant to society, were not given the same attention or equal importance in history books as those of the males whom tended to focus on cultural institutions like war, politics, religion, and economics. And often, their theories and practices fell under criticism from their male peers, such as with Mead in her later years. And Sally helped change that. With her analysis of Manhunter, as we spoke of earlier, and her response concerning the efforts of women to gather, Slocum challenged the idea that men sparked evolution through hunting and use of tools and argued that the role of women in terms of evolutionary importance was ignored. In fact, she asserted that the gathering role of women in terms of evolution was perhaps more important than those of the hunting roles of men, as subsistence on gathering was more reliable than from hunting. By challenging the scientific consensus that ignored the role of women in terms of evolutionary importance, Sally helped influence the first wave of modern feminist anthropology and expose the legacy of androcentrism within the field. Sally built on the momentum of progressive thought of the era and led the rise of feminism in the field of anthropology and her theoretical work influenced future feminist archaeologists such as Margaret Conkey and Janet Spector to evolve the field on sex and gender roles in prehistoric society. At a time where the impactful views of female anthropologists were few and far between, Sally Slocum did a lot for women to level the playing field in the field and in theory. Although some of Slocum's evidence supporting her theory is a little dated in the contemporary eye, perhaps her most influential contribution to anthropological theory is still valid today is her speculation that a discipline is shaped significantly by the questions it asks. So in light of this, we should keep in mind as to who is asking the questions. Prior to Slocum's work, much of the anthropological narrative centered around the idea that in primordial times, men went out and hunted and brought home meat to feed women and children who sat around being dependent on them. In the 1968 book, Man the Hunter, Sherwood L. Washburn and C.S. Lancaster make the argument that many of the evolutionary traits we think of as specifically human are the direct result of hunting. They argue that, quote, the biology, psychology, and customs that separate us from all the apes, all these we owe to the hunters of time past. In his 1967 book, The Naked Ape, zoologist and ethologist Desmond Morris looks at humans as a species and compares them to other animals. 
Morris depicts human behavior as largely evolved to meet the challenges of prehistoric life as a hunter. Morris wrote that the intense human pair bond evolved so that men who were out hunting could trust that their mates back home were not having sex with other men. Quote, because of the extremely long periods of dependency of the young and the heavy demands made by them, the females found themselves almost perpetually confined to the home base. Their hunting parties, unlike those of pure carnivores, had to become all-male groups. For a viral primate male to go off on a feeding trip and leave his females unprotected from the advances of any other males that might happen to come by was unheard of. The answer was the develop of a pair bond. The implication of these theories is that men would go out hunting each day, literally driving the evolution of the species, while the women and children waited back home, completely dependent on the men for their survival. So many of these stories, as women anthropologists such as Slocum would later point out, are told from the perspective of female fidelity and male power. However, just as theorists such as Morris and Washburn tried to link the evolution of an enormous number of traits to male hunting, Slocum tries to link a wide range of characteristics to particular aspects of female-led evolution. Slocum was one of the first anthropologists to begin to counter the strong male bias in the questions asked and the interpretations given. Slocum, quote, We are human beings studying other human beings, and we cannot leave ourselves out of the equation. We choose to ask certain questions and not others. Anthropology, as an academic discipline, has been developed primarily by white Western males during a specific period in history. Our questions are shaped by the particulars of our historical situation and by the unconscious cultural assumptions.